0: whenever a new client comes in and they starting to ask for specific gig that, uh, that haven't been done before inside the platform that requires us to, to invite new freelancers into the platform um, and, and these are the people that we usually don't know yet we're not too familiar with so that's usually when the, when the risk goes up
1: author of The Digital Pivot, and this is the Earned Media Podcast. My guest today is freelance journalist turned writer, and now our COO of Content Grow, Enrico Lachman. Uh, Enrico, welcome. Hey, hi. Awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm psyched to have you here because I love content grow. It's helped me so much in my business. Um, I've been able to find writers on the marketplace and and uh, really scale my uh, deliverables for clients through the marketplace. But but just to kick it off, tell us a little bit about content grow. What is content grow?
0: Great to hear that you're having a great time using ContentGrow. So basically, it's a managed um, marketplace for, uh, to help brands and publishers work with, discover and work with uh, freelance writers and journalists. So um, I think the, the, the key problems that you want to, to, to solve right now is basically helping um, content teams easily discover project-appropriate freelancers. So right now, everything is still uh, mostly done manually. You, if you want to find good writers for your, uh, for your project, you need to either go from, you need to find one from word of mouth, for example, or you need to do outbound approach, uh, look them up on LinkedIn or use uh, marketplace sites. What we want to solve is that, well, we can uh, help curate good talents for you and then you can start working with them.
1: And and you're based in Jakarta, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that where you're from? Yeah. Uh, I was born and raised in Jakarta. So, so you got to tell me the secret. I, obviously, there's, uh, you know, there's there's freelancers all over the world, and a lot of people outsourcing through gig uh, marketplaces to Asia. But my experience has mm-hmm. been Jakarta is just a hotspot. For some of the best talent on the globe, when it comes to marketing, I mean, I've had I have ama- an amazing designer who I found on Fiverr. He's in Jakarta, and mm. then I, people I know at other small businesses use designers in Jakarta to design their products. So, what is it about Jakarta that has such a such a, a high number of you know successful? Yes. Freelancers who seem to really have their finger on the pulse of, uh, you know, pop culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. What is it about Jakarta?
0: I think it's. I think it's Southeast. The region uh, overall in Southeast Asia, there are already a lot of freelancers um, doing very well. I think the. I think when it comes to quality, um, you there are so many good talents uh, around inside the region and what what makes it so special? That's a good question because I know that everything here is already modern. Um, We have uh, very fast internet connections Um, and lots of if we look at uh, for example tech companies in Indonesia, there are already multiple unicorns, um, companies that are worth more than $1 billion. Um, and a lot of those people um work at those companies and they be, they level up their their skill sets um and i think they're also um, yeah I, I i think they're also exposed to the idea of international opportunities because the thing is despite they have good skill sets in Jakarta the price here is a bit quite quite affordable um everything here is quite- um, a lot cheaper uh, as compared to more developed nations like the U.S., for example. So I think skill-wise, um, we have a lot of places to 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 develop our skills in Jakarta, and we've built a lot of unicorns. And then yeah, the freelancing the freelancing landscape. It's a good thing because uh, we still live in Jakarta currency, and so it's going to be a bit a bit. Cheaper uh, for developed countries and clients to to look into the, the talents inside Jakarta.
1: So you know one of the big biggest challenges uh, in uh, in in tech businesses is starting a marketplace because in a marketplace you're not just selling to someone you need two sides you have to build two markets at the same place buyers and sellers so that you can help them with the transaction it's really a huge challenge. How did you guys pull it off? Uh, agree,
0: agree 100%. How did we pull it off? Um, we started by doing everything manually. So at the very start, back in 2015, me and my co-founder, um, he's an American, by the way, my co-founder, uh, Layton. So Layton, we, is, uh,
1: Layton is an American, huh? Where is where's Layton from? He's from uh, Portland, Oregon. But Oregon. he lives in, in
0: Jakarta. Uh, he, he lives there now, but he's from he lives in Indonesia as well, in Surabaya. So he has a family here.
1: Got oh, it. No, no. So you he, guys basically launched Content Grow together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And did you bootstrap it? Did you raise money? How did you get it off the ground?
0: At the very beginning, we bootstrapped it. So it was a side gig for both of us. So it started. Uh, from us just the two of us being freelance journalists and writers for several clients but then after we after after we got their trust the clients started asking us whether uh, we can refer them to whether we we can refer them to, to other freelance journalists so in we saw an opportunity because i, I think there was a, a problem that we that we could solve so what we did was that we offered clients we started offering clients um, to just um, give all the work for us to us and then we, we can scale it from our own back end so we subcontract all the all the gigs to other freelancers that we know and then we edit those and then we share we share, it, uh, we share the, the, the the results with the client so that's the that's the very beginning um, how it all started but then we saw that it wasn't scalable using using just spreadsheets uh to manage all the freelancers and then we also found another problem uh, it it the work becomes too much when we had to work with let's say 20 to 30 freelancers at the same time and then um having to edit all the work um and then still managing the client so we finally decided um that we should rather than we we keep all the margins. Uh, we keep all the profits. Um, why not just uh connect clients with the freelancers directly? So that's the 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 uh the early idea of how we we build content and grow. So it's but, a lot but it's simpler. A, it's, you
1: have the chicken and the egg problem with a marketplace. You know, you have to have the writers to get the clients, but then you have to have the clients to get the writers. And you know, there's some been some interesting uh, stories. I think Reed Hoffman in his book But Scaling wrote a lot about how Uber would sort of artificially um, subsidize pricing in the market to force to to encourage drivers to start picking up. Uh, you know, uh, passengers before there was critical mass when they were still competing. It, you know, it seems like such a huge challenge. How did that work for you? How did you manage to, you know, get the the, the writers and the clients at the same time? From
0: our experience, because we are former uh, journalists ourselves, it's, it was easier for us to find other freelancers. So from uh, from our perspective, uh, the chicken and egg problem doesn't really, um, is, does it exist? I, I could, it could be, but the biggest challenge back then wasn't looking for freelancers. It was looking for clients. So whenever we have one client, we're able to, to use that client's name to rope in multiple freelancers and, and invite them into the platform. So that's uh, our, our flow right now because yeah, I think what we know is uh, it's easier to, to find a, a seller, people who, who's looking for money as compared to finding, buyer, uh, finding buyers, people who's willing to shell out money. So our focus has always, uh, our primary focus would be find buyers and then sellers will, will come in eventually.
1: So, um, you know, I spent a good part of my uh, career training with uh, companies all over the world. And while there obviously are very advanced companies all over the world, you do find generally that the uptake for digital marketing is different in different countries. You know, some countries are more aggressive, some are a little later to the table. Um, Do you find that most of your clients are Asia-based or are you serving mostly Western-based companies? Good question. Um, we're serving mostly, uh, I want to
0: say that there's a specific, specific, uh, specific region that we serve, but we have good clients coming from Asia and, and, and the West, Oh, I guess just the US and, and uh, the rest would be Southeast Asia. That would be the, the main user base
1: right now. Um, sorry, what was the question again? That was the question. I mean, I'm just kind of wondering how it breaks down. I can tell you that, like, when I'm um, assigning content, I tend to go to you when I'm looking for either writers who are knowledgeable about Southeast Asia or writers who are knowledgeable about uh, Australia or New Zealand, that tends to be, you know, kind of, and I also tend to go to you guys if I'm looking for a writer that's good at financial writing, or often if I'm looking for a writer that's really good at writing about lifestyle brands. Mm-hmm. I've had really good luck finding writers with you guys. And the cool thing is many of your writers freelance for the uh, the South China Post and, you know, major publications in that region. So it does give give you, when you're looking at the portfolio, at least some confidence that, you know, it's not going to be ri- that hard to have to edit it. But obviously you do find that some some people may do a better job for the South, uh, South China Morning Post than they do for you. And then that becomes difficult as well. Um, how many writers do you guys have?
0: Um, inside our database, we have around 2,500, but most of them are still inside a spreadsheet. So, so um, right now, the, the focus would be to migrate them into our own, uh, portf- um, our own platform. So when freelancers sign up, they get a free portfolio. So that's one of the ways we, we, uh, we incentivize people to, to come in. And when they have a portfolio, it's going to be easier to connect them with future clients. So around 2,500 inside the database right now.
1: And what kind of volume are you doing? I mean, how many people are using the service? Mm.
0: I guess um, it's still uh, less than 100 clients concurrently. So, and, um, pre- what, what kind of what kind of projects? I mean, it was like a few hundreds of what's, content. What's, what
1: what what sort of content is the most common content that gets outsourced through Content Grow? Is it blog posts? Is it product pages? Is it collection pages? Is it white papers? What is it? The
0: when it comes to quantity, the number one would be um, news. Ju- would be journalism articles. So publishers would come in, um, work with our freelancers and then they would either A, assign gigs, assign briefs, or B, most of them would, uh, would want to take in pitches. Uh, so they would post a request, a pitch request, and then freelancers would submit ideas. And then when approved, they, they, uh, they, they create the, the brief. So majority, when it comes to quantity, would be um, journalism. And then the second one would be PR, actually. So, press releases companies ca- come to us, they want to create press release, and they usually want to work with freelance journalists because journalists would know, would be more familiar about the kind of content that would be active when, uh, when uh, in, uh, in, uh, for press release purposes. So, that's the number two. Number three would be articles. So, brands would. So that's, the, that's what's happening.
1: So when you say articles, do you mean pu- media, publishing organizations are going there to find writers oh, no. to assign it's, stories uh, to or more it, it, content marketing? Connection uh, unstable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's in and out. But oh, no. uh, I'll repeat I, my question. Twice. I'll repeat yes, my last please. question. So uh, when you say article, do you mean that most uh, clients are actually media publications looking for journalists to write stories, or is it mostly marketers looking for content marketing content for their blogs?
0: It's the first one. So um, interestingly, we, the, the biggest users right now would be publishers
1: at Content Grow. That's awesome. I think that's a great selling point for the content marketing community. Because the content marketing community is trying to create articles that are as good as journalism, as, you know, true journalism. And and it's tough to do that because often um, if you hire a a copywriter, they are going to write in a voice that has too hard of a sell or um, they're going to use, they don't understand the difference between opinion and, and news, and so they're going to use adjectives and adverbs. And, and then you have to sort of manually teach them the process of journalism, which obviously isn't really scalable if you're one person trying to do a lot of content. Um, how does content grow make money? How do you guys charge? Mm-hmm. Um, we take
0: commission and surcharge from, from both sides. So from the client side, we take a 10% surcharge. And then from the freelancer side, we're taking a 10% commission. So, so you're making 20%. A total of 20%, 20%
1: yeah. on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And um, what are the biggest challenges that clients have with your site? What's, the, what are the, what's the, the nagging question that you hear all the time? What keeps you up at night?
0: Mm. The, right now would be would be figuring out how to scale the, the the pitch request, um, the pitch request process. So right now, clients would be publishing pitch requests, and then the goal, um, the the challenge is to get as uh, to put in as many quality pitches as possible. So that has been one of the the key challenges. We're still. Uh, solving this manually right now, so not by system. So we still need to reach out to the freelancers one by one, asking them to to submit pitches or getting their feedback about the reasons why they're not submitting pitches. We're looking to hopefully scale this uh, along the way.
1: Is there any concern that maybe the reason they're not submitting pitches is because there's no guarantee that they're going to be the ones that are going to write those stories. So maybe they feel like, well, why should I pitch all these ideas if I'm not even maybe going to be hired to write the story? That's correct,
0: yeah. Um, freelancers, they they prioritize uh, confirmed paid gigs. So when there's a brief open for a claim, in seconds, it will be claimed by, by freelancers. No, there's no problem at all. So when clients come in, create a brief and it's open for a claim. Anybody who's inside the project can claim it. It's gonna. It's usually grabbed within seconds. But what when it comes kind to pitches, it's a different what, thing. What
1: kind of per word price are clients paying? What's the range? The range.
0: Um, usually the, the total number of word count per, per story would be 700 to 900 uh, words. Uh, we, I th- Early um, at the end of last year, we um, we made a decision to to start uh, charging clients at least a hundred dollars for all uh for all stories, and then there will be different th- different client tiers looking for different qualities. So we're looking at um, usually it's between uh one hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars per blog post for seven hundred to nine hundred words.
1: And does the um, is the writer also expected? to write captions for photos or source photos? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Depends. Depends. So it, I think 90% or 70% of the clients, they don't really need the photos. Um, The rest. um, Yeah. Yeah. So mostly they, they just want text
1: clients. So one of the challenges with uh, really not just you guys, but any gig uh, marketplace, if you're outsourcing and you have deadlines for your client, you know, and you, you hire all these freelancers to deliver against all these deadlines and they just don't deliver or ghost you, you know, then yep. you're kind of like, screwed, there's nothing you can do about it. How, how, how is there any way clients can manage against that risk? Um, that's a really
0: good question. One of the things that we're trying to solve as well right now, we only go based on um, usually when we recommend writers. Usually, it's the, the 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 writers that that we that we that have good track record already. So when we see a track record, one uh, clients are happy with their work quality. Two, they're um, they submit things on uh, on time. So after operating for in the uh, in the past uh, three years, we know which ones to 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 recommend usually. And the risk comes now whenever a new client comes in and they starting to ask for specific gig that, uh, that haven't been done before inside the platform. That requires us to, to invite new freelancers into the platform. Um, and, and these are the people that we usually don't know yet. We're not too familiar with. So that's usually when the, when the risk goes up. So when this happens, we usually just need to, um, manually, um, make sure that everything goes smoothly. And so we look at when the deadline uh, is, is quite, uh, quite uh, close, we need to, to ask the freelancer whether everything is fine or not, whether they're responsive or not. So that's how we usually help clients make sure they, they can get good, good content.
1: But why would you have to invite new writers? Explain that, why that would be the case.
0: Because sometimes clients have specific, um, specific needs, um, and a very specific. um, They they want to create content in a specific niche. For example, there would be a client who wants to do a, a content piece about South Africa, and they only want people who's in that region to 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 create the content. And maybe we don't have anyone yet in South Africa that's reliable, so we need to to look for new writers. So number 1 would be region number 2 would be expertise so let me think of a of a recent example somebody who lives in the US um but knows a lot about the UK market so that's also one interesting aspect that we yeah that's one that's an interesting need that we needed to fulfill
1: because so Enrico, basically what I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think I'm hearing is you're you're acknowledging that clients are looking for writers with subject matter expertise in certain topic areas. um, And that if you don't have writers in those topic areas, you can't fulfill the client's needs. Is that correct? Yep. Yep, that's
0: correct. You know, it's Um, really
1: refreshing to hear you mm -hmm. say that because I think a lot of people believe that, well, if you have a good writer, they they should be able to write about anything. And I think there is some truth to that, assuming that the writer has a salary and can afford to spend the time to come up to speed on a certain topic. But if you're a freelancer, you're just working hand to mouth. You've got to crank out those stories quickly. You don't have the time. And what I've found happens when you hire a freelancer writer through a gig network that doesn't have subject matter expertise is you wind up getting an article, which is a summary of all the top-ranking content that's online. And if you're a marketer like me who's trying to create content that will keep people on the page, keep them from bouncing, and get them to click through, that doesn't work because all you're doing is helping the guys that you stole the information from by reusing their content. They'll even include links to the content that they're sourcing. So it's like crazy, right? Um, And and I do think, you know, search is a zero-sum game. I mean, there's four or five top positions Mm -hmm. against a keyword search. Um, If you want to be one, two, or three, or four, you have to have the best content for that query. You know, it's not about tricking Google into thinking you have the best content. It's about actually having the best content. And of course, you can't do that if the person doesn't have subject matter expertise. So thank, thank you for for confirming uh, my suspicion on that one because, um, yeah, it's good to hear. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so, maybe so I just
1: want to add one more
0: thing. Yep. Go ahead. One one more finding that I thought was interesting is that the more senior the freelancer, they also want to only focus on writing specific subjects. So, so actually, the the ones, yeah, the, uh, they're quite particular. So if they're very good at travel content, and then we ask them to do something about um, um, just celebrity gossips, they will say no. That's 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 not. What I, uh, that's, not what, that's not my expertise, so I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, that's interesting because the, the more junior the writers, they'll be like, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Any type of content, I'll do it.
1: Um, so uh, on a lot of um, online marketplace gig sites, the identity of the buyer and the seller is masked. They just show the first name with the last name initial. They don't, they're afraid that if the buyer and seller know each other's name, they're going to go direct and cut the online marketplace out of the deal. Obviously, if you're a sophisticated customer and you go direct, you don't have the escrow service to protect you from the transfer of funds, which is one of the values of the of the marketplace. You also don't have someone at the company who will help you if things go in a bad direction. So I think a more sophisticated buyer is not going to want to go direct because they're going to want the help of the middleman in case there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you guys aren't forcing that by hiding the identity of the writer, which I think is really great because at the end of the day, if you're publishing content from a writer, it's got to be under their byline anyways, because Google page quality guidelines are now acknowledging that the writer and the name of the writer and the bio of the writer and links to the writer's work is a signal of page quality. So so why is it that you guys made that decision And and, and, Is there some? Are you is was there some any disagreement between you and Leighton about whether or not you should mask the writer's identity or not? How did you get to where you are now? Good question. We
0: decided, I think, number one is we we decided that we should. In, in this in in this business world, let's just trust people. so that's the number one thing that we decided. Maybe it's not as uh, as business minded, but we thought that if we're able to trust people um and it goes smoothly, yeah, that's plan A, of course. We have less things to worry about. that's not too ide- that's too idealistic, but that's the number one thing that we did. Uh, number two, yeah the writers also sell so when we when we talk about the the um um when we talk about um why we we don't mask the, the writer's identities because they also sell uh, themselves to the client because they're of, of their expertise so if we only say their, their first name and only a few things well maybe let me recap number one we, we want to we think that we just want to trust the process and trust everyone, but number two it's quite hard to mask everything, especially when we want to showcase their portfolio their writers so when it, when it comes to feasibility it's quite tough already in a big so why, why, why make the effort at all? Um, number two, yeah, writers with good portfolio as long as we give them some um, good benefits for, for both sides, we just trust that uh, they'll they'll'll they'll just Want to to go through the the safer route, so in this case, the for the client it's gonna be easier for them to to get uh, recommended t- uh, talents from us, and for the client uh, and even for the writers that uh, we we give them uh, guaranteed payments. So we have from our experience, uh, we have a few clients who ghosted us, who came in created briefs and then just ran away. So even when that happens in the past, we've we've we just paid the the writers what' what we 're what we're owed because yeah it's I guess it's our fault that 's how we saw it, so we we needed to do to vet clients better, so that 's one of the services that we offer to to the freelancers so when they get briefs, they know that they're going they 're going get paid.
1: Talk to me about your software development strategy because the way I see it you 've kept you looks like you 've intentionally kept the site very skinny you 're not trying to do all the Keyword discovery and SEO and, and the editing. I mean, it's just sort of a marketplace, very simple. Uh, you can use Google Docs. You can use Slack. You can use whatever comms channel you want with your writers. Uh, just so long as the, the transaction goes through the platform. Was that intentional? Do you have a, a would you like to expand the platform? Where are you going with, um, with Content Grow's platform from a software standpoint? It's definitely intentional. We want to keep things simple.
0: Um, from what we saw um, and what we read from lots of books, we think it's we need to treat the website and the platform just like a museum. So it's not about the number of quantities of features that we need to put in, but it's also as important to think about the the, the kind of features that we shouldn't put in inside the platform to make things as easy and as intuitive as possible. And we also focus on the, on the biggest problems that we identify that we think when we solve this, the, the, the future would be better for everyone. So the two biggest um, problem that we thought that we should solve would be number one, helping, helping clients find, find appropriate freelancers easily. So that's the number one thing that we thought that because it's, yeah, like I mentioned in the very beginning, it's a rigorous process to find a writer that fits the client. Number two, um, making the, the working process easy, as, as easy as possible. So a lot of people have their own preferences. So one person would be using Google Docs. Another person will want to do a, a call with Google Meet or Microsoft Teams. Another person would just want to keep things simple and just sending chats. So yeah, we don't want to make any 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 anything. Don't want to make it too complex. Just anybody who comes in, they can just use it um, intuitively. And when it comes to payments, they can just use either Stripe or PayPal, and that's it. They can pay to hundreds of freelancers in just one go it wasn't uh, this is the second version of contentgrow by the way if you look when you open it uh, the url would be two.contentgrow.com so dot number one.contentgrow.com the first time we will, we launched it was a lot more complex a lot of more features uh, we we allowed companies to build groups we allowed companies to create individual invoices for for each brief and it Became too complex and too confusing. A lot of questions uh, kept going in, and we started deleting a, a lot of features and and decided to keep things simple. And I think it's a it was a good call because um everybody still uh are still using it, and we have less questions now, and they can still get the the main job done.
1: And 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 what's next for you guys? Where how? Where do you see yourself going? Where do you, where do you want to go with this company?
0: I think the what we have right now would be just to solve just to solve this issue. Um, I think the, the idea would be the ideal case would be if we can one day automate the 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 entire process of client um, being able to discover and find good writers to work with. So that's the biggest thing that we're looking at right now. The search. Um, where do we go from here? I think we're, yeah, I think um, a manage, um I think in the future, uh, where do we go right now? That's a good question. I think that's just, we're just thinking that there's a, uh, in the future, clients and buyers, finding writers would be as, finding good writers, appropriate writers would be as simple as hitting that publish button. So, that's the vision we want to just focus on helping uh making that dream a reality and yeah and then i think the number two aspect that we look at uh, for the future would be um are, are you familiar with the concept of the of the calm company
1: eric the what company the calm company calm so. oh calm the company calm I mean, I know of the company, but I, tell me uh, what
0: it's a concept. It's a concept.
1: Okay. So I'm it, not no, I'm not concept... familiar with that. Then I'm familiar with a company that's called Calm, C-A-L-M.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a different thing. So okay. uh, a founder of base, uh, the base, uh, a founder, uh, Basecamp. Uh, from Basecamp, yeah. uh, he wrote a book um, about uh, about the different uh, about the concept of being like a, a calm company. So it's a concept. So, what's the name of the book? Um, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. So that's the really name of the book. It, it doesn't, doesn't have to be, have crazy, to at be work.
1: crazy at work. I love it. A book recommendation. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it says that you, you don't need to become a company that's uh, always chasing a uh, one billion dollar status. You don't need to be a company who who becomes a um, who has a thousand employees to 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 be your end goal. It's okay to have just like twenty to fifty companies just generating a few million dollars uh, a year or a month. Um, it's it's okay to to keep things small and lean as um, and be profitable. So don't just chase valuation. So that's also the 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 vision that we that we want to to go for. We want to solve that problem, helping companies and, uh, and publishers and, and brands find writers easily. We want to scale. And then we want to keep things small and simple, even internally.
1: Cool. Well, hey, I'm so glad I found you guys. You know, for me, I was just one night searching, you know, for services like yours. And I actually found about four or five of them. And you were one that I started doing. I gave it a try. You know, I was total... It was a total, like, just flying without a net. Okay, let's see. And it did work out. And I ran a good amount of business through your platform for a client that I was working with last uh, previously, earlier this year. And uh, and then I found one other in the States that I've been using as well, but the other ones didn't work out for me. Um, but uh, it's, you know, I I'd started originally trying to find writers on Upwork. And I mean, that was... A shit show. I mean, if I can just be frank, I mean, because, you know, I mean, you don't know anything what you've got there. And um, at least it seemed like when I looked at the portfolios on Content Grow that I could see a portfolio and I could see the writers' credits on known publications. And that gave me some, some solace. Um, and the other firm that I use that I'm using as well does a similar type of thing where they maintain a portfolio. though it's interesting what I've learned through this discussion with you is you're really more focused on journalists, for the media, and the other company that I'm working with is really more focused on content for marketers.. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, and if you listen listened to the last episode of my podcast before this one, you can find out who that client is, who that other company that I'm using that has a marketplace is. Uh, but out of respect for you and um, this podcast, I won't mention it here in this discussion. Um, but I do want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And I also want to thank you and Leighton for building Content Grow because, I mean, it really got me out of a jam, man. I, was, I had a, a blog going where I was publishing about 12 articles a month. And uh, there's no, I mean, I love to write. I mean, it's my favorite thing to do, but I don't scale, you know. <laughs> it. So it was great that I was able to sort of move into the, um, into the editorial role. As an editor, and uh, and be and scale and get that that work done.
0: Yeah, and thank you, thank you again for trusting Content Grow for your content creation needs. Uh, it's an it's been an honor, by the way, um, speaking with you in this podcast.
1: Hey, likewise, and if you if you're listening to this, and you're a content marketer and you need to scale, you should definitely check these guys out because it works. I, I, I I'm I'm living proof of that. Um, so Enrico uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me so thank you thank you thank you for having me it's been a great
0: it's been great also speaking with you
1: Influenced through Earn Media, get the Digital Pivot audiobook at digitalpivotbook.com.